I'm Anna Tonk. Welcome to How to Be Human, a podcast that explores the common and often confusing themes of humanness. Hello, it's me, Anna. Not gonna lie, y'all, I'm a little sleepy today as I record this intro to episode 53 with Vanessa Hardy. We talk a lot about having different careers and this is something that comes up a lot that people I think want to talk to myself about and I get a lot of DMs on the how to be human Instagram about it and talking about it and I've mentioned several times in the pod I think if you wanted to tease me you could be like yes we know you're on television and it's true and I've had a lot of different career paths and sort of career lives and I understand why when people are looking at it they don't get it or it feels really disconnected and other people they're like no I totally get it my background is I come from fine art And then I went into production and then I went into tarot and I wanted to talk to Vanessa about, I guess, being kind of fluid in your career and allowing yourself to both maintain focus, but make changes because it's really a way I think she and I initially connected and something about one another. I think we understood innately about one another that it doesn't feel that different to us. And I think we all get really hung up when we want to make changes or the way I describe it is when I feel into something. When I feel into something, I want to feel like, is there energy there? And I know that this could sound a little like, what the fuck are you talking about? But I think about anything. Think about, you know, someone you love. When you think of feeling into the energy of the love you have for that person, you're going to feel something. It's going to feel kind of activated for you. And I think for me, with everything in my life, but especially my career or my creativity, I feel into it. I feel into like, is there energy there? Do I think I can make more? Do I think I need to do less? Like what's up there? You know, like, does it feel like it's being fed? Does it feel like it's doing something, you know, for myself, when I look at my own narrative, I get it. I get that young me was really interested in storytelling and doing so visually. So I sort of learned about that and learned how to do that. And I'll never forget it. This guy who like hadn't really had a huge impact on me at um, Parsons, but (laughs) ended up giving me this little morsel of a comment that like unlocked my brain. He said, you know, something I want you to think about. He's like, have you ever thought about working in television or film? And I was like, well, duh. I mean, yeah, it seems really cool. I'd love to do that. But like, how does one do that? Instead, I was like, I mean, yeah, but. And he's like, because while each image you take could stand alone, you're always telling a story. There's always a narrative here. And I think you should explore mediums where you get to tell more of a story. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting and very cool. Thank you for seeing me, sir. And it lucked out that I did get to, I mean, by accident, I was looking at production jobs and things like that, but interviewed for one position and the woman 
liked me so much, but her boss like hired someone else that she became really, after like six months of unemployment after graduating from college, she became really hell bent on finding me a job, which was like one of the biggest kindness anyone's ever done for me. And I ended up interviewing for a job, working for Sony Music Studios and really having like the time of my life for like five years there and kicking off that portion of my life. And then I realized I both like to really tell things visually. I like to tell a story and I like to solve a problem. And it was really exciting and fun for me that people would come in and be like, we've got a show, you know, we want the design and the show packaging in the open to like feel really energized and da 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 da. And I'd be like, cool. What colors say energy to you? What sort of mu music? What sort of movement do you know? Do you want a lot of movement? Do you want like a choppy animation? And like, it also really taught me that Coco Chanel, even though she's terribly flawed and was a Nazi sympathizer, maybe a Nazi herself. There is a quote I like from her, I'll be honest. And it's, you don't have to be good at everything you need to know who is. And I really subscribe to that. And I really started to learn that in production that we don't have to be good at everything. You need to know who is. And there is a power to expertise and things like that. And learning to kind of how to go out from being very, focused on something and very niche and then backing up and going, what's the big picture, you know? And what was cool about television was I would maybe be working on an aspect of a show or something and it would be a really big deal. Like I worked on the VMAs and in 2007, I think. And, you know, we were doing all the screen content and for three weeks we did like, we didn't have lives. Like we just worked. We literally worked around the clock in order to pull off what we did. And because things were behind, it, it was just a whole to do. And at times you would get really frustrated and be like, don't they understand? Or, bah, 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 bah. And, you know, and these are people like coordinating a whole fucking thing at Radio City Music Hall. Like, yeah, they understand. They don't care. They want you to handle it, you know? And that was good for me. I think it was good for me to not always be so precious or in my feelings at times, but to also learn how to validate my experience of like, I play a part in a larger machine. And that was good. And then, um, you know, started to feel a little stagnant in the television. And again, the problem for me that has cropped up in my career over and over again is finding the right balance of work and labor. Work is, you know, tasks that you execute. They're fixed, you know, when they begin and end. Labor is a lot more free-flowing and I would think, you know, to be honest, creative. So... Tarot enters the picture for me. And again, it's not that different. It's visual, it's storytelling, it's generally problem solving. So if you are wanting to evolve and you're looking at your career and you're going, how can I go from this to that? Or it makes no sense or da, 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 da. It only needs to make sense to you. You need to only know where is the energy for you? Because here's the thing. If you feel into your career, you feel into something and the energy's not there, but you think you can kind of like cover it up or fake it till you feel it or something like that, you're probably not fooling anyone. So maybe the issue becomes how do you find a little bit of the confidence and the courage maybe to make the shift you have to make? 
don't know. I don't know what problem you're dealing with. I'm happy to listen if you want to tell me. But I did know that this conversation about changing careers, going back to school, stuff like that, letting yourself always be fluid and in progress. I It was a conversation I wanted to have with Vanessa. So please enjoy this interview with Vanessa Hardy, who is a casting agent, astrologer, energy healer, and Akashic Records reader. She's really also just like an incredible, solid person. So please enjoy episode 53 with Vanessa Hardy. I'm glad you sort of remember when we met, because like I said, I was trying to figure it out and was like, I think it was 2017, which was when I was starting to leave TV and go full time into tarot. And then it was like you arrived at Maha. You were one of the new Maha people, new to me, but typical Maha. It was like, oh, no, Vanessa's been around for ages. You know, you had returned to the Maha roost and you were like, oh, like I'm in production as well. And at that point, and I remember where I had to teach or do, you know, do something profesh. And I was like, I have to find out who she is, that front desk angel, because I had the best time conversing with her. And I forget, I mean, it must have been, I mean, it must have been a tarot class. I remember in the class, like, you know, that I was more thinking about our conversation at first and had to be like, focus, Anna, focus, you know, you can like go have the chats and in a minute, but I think that was 2017. And like you said, you know, you had been bopping a, a, between the coast. I guess that does line up. But at that point, I think you were doing casting during the week, uh, like or nine to five ish. You were doing some desk coverage at Maha. And I think. Were you starting to take clients then? I feel like while I was like cutting down one career, <laughs> you were like adding in another. And I've always felt connected to you as someone else who's like juggled a bunch of different things that maybe to other people seemed kind of cuckoo or unrelated, but it felt good to us. It made sense to us. Like we're like, oh, I get it. So were those the things you were doing? Does that make sense for that period of time? Yeah, pretty much. So I was there, right? Yeah, doing casting pretty much nine to five. You know, casting is client based technically. So it was a little bit of freelance. So sometimes I would have more time than not. And so during the week when I wasn't working on a job would sometimes be when I would take like a Reiki client. Mm. And I was doing a little bit of Reiki here and there, but I really enjoyed, you know, for me working in production, working in the industry in general there was always a necessary wellness piece mm. for me to be creative. And so the way I connected with Maha was really just seeking that out, like seeking a new place to go. And then my relationship there developed to where I had been working on the desk on and off. And it just felt really good for me to always know that Saturdays and Sundays and and some weekday nights, I would be on the desk there just kind of communing with all the wonderful people. And then during the week, there was something about being in that energy that energized me 
in a way that kind of made, it kept casting and it kept production exciting. And then it also kind of unlocked possibilities the way all of these different tools can do. I just started relating to my day job differently. So it was this really nice flow. But ultimately, yeah, that was kind of what I was doing. And I I didn't exactly ever plan on seeing clients one-on-one, whether it was Reiki and now I'm, I do astrology. But as the, the need grew and as my career shifted and allowed for more of that and my astrology study really deepened and seemed to kind of merge the skill sets really well because casting and astrology are kind of both about seeing people and helping find the right place for them to really expand and thrive and shine. That was almost like a second layer of like magic that came from just following my instincts. That's so interesting. How did you even get into casting? Because I mean, production in general, like, uh, I think all of us who have been in it, you know, we all just say like production, you know, and then I'm not sure how much people know that each facet of production is pretty niche, you know, like if you really get into the conversation with people like my specialty, for example, was in post-production, you know, and mostly in design, after effects and special effects, things like that. Yours is clearly casting, you know, like people have this, how did you, how did you get into casting? Because I do think that that, that link you're making between astrology and casting, I think is really interesting. And I wonder, like, when you look back now, do you feel like you were always sort of being guided this way? Like to see people like, it's like you run diagnostics really quickly, I think in all these things, you know, and, and that's a thread for me that goes whether it was like a client coming and going, you know, the whole event is the wrong red and you go, fuck, now I gotta go figure out how to get an entire room flipped to a different shade of red, you know, or someone's going, my whole life's a mess and I have to look at the cards and go, okay, let me tell you how to like kind of maybe make some different decisions. I don't think those things are that different. You know, I'm curious what got you into casting and like, did you start to already like see those things emerge in yourself? Those qualities of like, oh, I'm good at sort of seeing people's strengths. I'm good at identifying these things or I'm good at, I mean, I think casting too, does potential come into it? Like of seeing, you know, kind of gambling on someone's potential, those sort of things. Was that a part of it always for you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, starting way back, like when we think about how our like, our little inner inner child is showing up who we are and what we'll be. I was truly in awe of everyone beginning with my family. So I had a very, you know, many different facets of various families and divorces and all the things. And I think that despite challenges, I was always showing up every day, like ready to party, just like ready to be like, oh my God, <laughs> uncle so-and-so hilarious. Oh my God, aunt Dawn, amazing hair. Just like, I was always kind of noticing what was special and dope about people, even if it was like a, a tense moment or whatever, you know, and there are actually videos of me, like I was always being like, you know, I did, I eventually ended up being an actor, which we can talk about too, but it was just funny because when I was younger, when you think about all the different actors or performers, you think about the home movies and there's really a difference between the types of performers and stuff. And 
even though I was comfortable on camera, I was always pulling in all the family. Like I was always mm. like, oh, my sister Jessica, totally camera shy, but like really into doing gymnastics or, or dancing. <laughs> so I'd be like, we, we need some pizzazz, get Jessica in the frame. <laughs> and so I just was always like seeing like who was needed to deliver the overall moment. Yeah. And then it just so happened that, yes, you know, throughout, like, obviously, there's not a casting club in middle school. So <laughs> I got, you know, I started to get some attention for being a, a pretty good performer and got pulled that way. And but what I started to notice then is the next phase was like, I was still just getting so stoked about my fellow performers. And at that point, I was like getting the leads in the play or eventually like starting to take the train into the city and do commercials. And I, what I noticed about myself, although I don't, I didn't totally identify it as something I was proud of yet, but like I worked hard, but I also didn't care. Like I, I wasn't competitive mm. in, I was competitive in the way that is necessary. I was certainly shrewd and informed and showing up on time and, and, and wanting to win hardcore. But I also would be very excited about the girl who got the part over me because I could see why she did a lot of the time. Mm. And then I also... Later on, once I moved in the city and was taking acting really seriously, I would just find myself, whether I was waiting tables or whatever, like coaching the other actors who were really down on themselves and not understanding why they weren't getting as far as they wanted to be. And so looking at it really holistically, I pretty much as soon as I finished up school in my acting conservatory and I got an agent and I, everybody was kind of really thinking it was going to happen for me, I was already interested in casting. So mm. much to many people's chagrin, a lot of people told me it wasn't a good idea and that it would kind of tank my acting possibilities. And it didn't right away. But, you know, I did pretty immediately get an internship in casting when I was also auditioning as an actor. And it just kind of working behind the scenes also, you know, I had my own healing and stuff to do. I really didn't have this like stable foundation. So I was a little bit concerned about, you know, it's great if you go out for pilot season, but if you have no money in the bank account and you don't yeah. get a job, it is like, I would like to have lunch. Yeah. <laughs> like NBC Chasing cool, your dreams lunch. can also be financially devastating. I mean, it's, I do think that that's really, really hard. That was an interesting lesson even about astrology too and sort of tuning into like the rhythm and flow of your life and the nuanced mm. callings that can be represented in the chart because, you know, that need for stability and also the instability that the need grew from are all indicated in my chart. And mm. the more, you know, at this time I was also starting to study astrology a lot and what I was kind of tuning into was that that thing that I try to teach people in sessions, which is to tune into the energy and then be open. And mm. when I started working in casting, it did limit the amount of auditions I went on and it did shift my career from like someone pursuing like actor acting, but it didn't completely eliminate me still auditioning for quite some time. And I even still occasionally will audition for something if someone I know is making it. And it's interesting because I would book maybe like, one commercial a year that was like really fun and being directed by someone I maybe knew from casting. And that one job was more authentic to me and more fun because it kind of just happened while I was also fleshing out my need for stability, nourishing myself, seeking out healing, taking classes at places like Maha, all these things that yeah. were obviously like a part of me and what needed to happen for me to like really be the best me. And so I think that's also how 
from casting to astrology, there is this link of, you know, like you said, even potential, like seeing potential that can be a part of casting. And it's a part that really gets me going because it might not be for everybody. And it's not when you have like a really high stress, like client or a thing to fill, but you as the casting director are always kind of keeping your eyes open for people who have potential to continue bringing them in until it's their time to hit. And it could be years, but if you're the person who can facilitate that, like that's just, I mean, that's that's me at the family party getting excited about the uncle. I'm like, it's finally his time to shine. Let's do it, baby. Yeah. You know, and that that's joy to me. That is the best. Oh, it's such a feeling of satisfaction. Like, I guess, connecting dots or teeing somebody up for an opportunity you know they're right for is such a good feeling. Like it's go forth and thrive, my child, you know, like it feels, it can feel so good that I imagine as a casting agent, like when, when that hits, it's like, that's gotta be so satisfying. I feel like a real hazard to being a casting agent, if one was not doing the work, as we all say, would be casting your life did it leak into your life? Were you casting the role of friends and lovers and things like that? Or that's an incredible question. I'm like, <laughs> as you were like sharing it, I had a million different things come up that I was like, oh my God, I feel like I'm in a healing session right now. One thing, <laughs> <laughs> one thing is that I think like out of everything, what I've been guilty of is thinking that I need to provide an opportunity to a friend in order to have connection. Ooh, Vanessa, you just exploded my brain because, yeah, I could see how that would work. I could see how that would happen because I feel like for, for me, like as some of this stuff got the channels it needed to express itself, like it's been interesting the way things have changed you know like I think I was like <laughs> reading people forever I just didn't know that I was you know so then once I was like reading for a living and was like oh this is the boundaries this work needs like this is how this works the best this is how it's received the best and like could kind of like do it in a more proper way. A lot of the stuff in my personal life that I wasn't doing intentionally, I wasn't trying to be a jerk or, you know, go out to dinner with girlfriends and end up just reading them, you know, but you don't know what you're picking up on. You don't know what is happening in a way. And then once I did, it was interesting how it shifted in places it was happening. When you started doing more astrology, did that change your casting? You know, no, what it kind of did more, well, one thing is that my training in acting is very applicable to the way I cast. And that really is all rooted in energy healing. Mm. And the energy healing aspect is related basically to, to astrology because astrology, while there's this tangible system, the way we interpret it still comes down to our own sort of energetic way of connecting to that information and then interpreting it and transmitting it, you know? And so the through line of all of it is like, I think that the more I started tuning into energy and understanding that concept of like things existing outside of time and space, it helped me guide actors 
it, it might have tuned up the way I guide actors, but what it more felt like was another puzzle piece to what I had already been doing, but maybe didn't have named. Mm, that's really interesting. I'm watching the White Lotus season two and loving it. I don't know if you've you've watched. Oh yeah. And I think some of why it's as good as it is is an actor is making it in someone who has like done the work literally is is crafting it. There's so many layers. There's so many Easter eggs. The fact that he also was like kind of casting, you know, like in episode one of season two, there's um, people from Survivor. So there's also this mix of like reality TV with something that's on HBO, which I think is very interesting. But do you think having the experience of being an actor also has just like super helped you understand some of the stuff that I think people struggle with of like roles and personas and like public versus private and all of this stuff. Cause I really admire that you are strangely strict that when you are like, I'm going off Instagram, you do it and you'll do it for like three months. You know, that when you're like, I'm taking care of family and then I know that I'm going to be spent. So I'm not taking sessions for one month and like you do it, you know, like you're, do you think having all this different knowledge helps me be like, bolster some of that strictness. I admire that. Like, I admire you really do control people's access to you. I think you, you're you very proactive. You don't, I let myself melt down. I get to the point of meltdown and I'm like, I hate everybody and I'm worn out, you know, because like I, I don't get in front of it. And But when I'm trying to get in front of it, it feels too harsh to me or something. You know, I don't know. I'm like, this feels a bit silly or so, I, I don't I gaslight myself. So I'm just curious. I don't really know once again what my question is. I just sort of want you to talk about those things. <laughs> yeah, no, all that. I, I feel what you're saying and and I know what you mean. And yeah, I mean, there's like so much I could share that I want to see. Well, so first, I think overall, too. Yeah, like in terms of my boundaries and my understanding of like what mine are and why they're important. That definitely does come from working in the industry writ large. And there's like an actor part of it. And then there also is like a production part of it too, of just like, you know, and I don't mean this, you know, I think people who don't work in production don't really like understand what I mean when I say like the concept of like time being money, but like not in like a yeah. cutthroat capitalist way. But what I more mean is just like, we're working together for a specific amount of time. There is value at stake, but, mm. and also you want to, have a fulfilling experience for yourself and deliver your best product personally and collectively, right? So you yes. kind of have to go into those situations. And this is in casting. This is when I've been an actor. I've had to keep this in mind. And even when I've done like a little bit of like producery stuff, it's like you really like, it's just important to be juggling all of those things. So that's more like a logistics thing that I actually think once I started to get even more into you know, healing and really got clear on what boundaries were and like how to how to move energy and control energy. I was like, ew, would have been cool to learn <laughs> this like in elementary school. Um, so yeah. there, there was that. But then there's also, you know, when you when you study the craft of acting, <laughs> you you do learn that you have that you both have and are looking to mine tons of energy within yourself. 
Mm. But then you also do have to be aware of how to direct it artfully, but also being completely truthful and honest when doing so. So you're not assuming that the other actor is going to give you a particular line read in within a scene. I don't know where, I don't know what has happened in as a, you know, in the person. As an actor, mm-hmm. I know I may have read the script, but if you're watching the show and I'm coming from somewhere else, I don't know what has happened in the other room necessarily. There are these uh, things that you ha- kind of have to employ to like keep your energy up, to keep it fresh and truthful and honest and also then execute um, your job like energetically as an actor, right? So there's like this other layer of what I mean when I kind of realized that what I was doing when I was acting was at least my way of tapping in was energy healing because it's very similar to what I do now to prep for sessions. When I open the Akashic records and I feel in my body, the column of light come through my body and I'm opening up, but I'm also, you know, tuning in. That's what I used to do to do my best work as an actor was like to get mm. in this really esoteric somatic way really to open up for like something truly like psychic to come through me. And I just didn't really know that's what I was doing, you know? And yeah. And I think that's also why that contributed as well to why I was like, the acting thing's cool and like deaf would love to be famous, but also, you know, like I'm shaking every time I do this. It's weird. So, you know, yeah. grounding, learning how to ground myself and then and then re-entering healing many years later. And after I, you know, did my Reiki trainings and took all these classes and really like learned more tools to connect with the energy and then saw how similar it was to performing. I think uh, there was like an intention and a strategy and also a reverence to what was happening. So Mm. while I also was just genuinely like, well, I don't exactly even know what this is. So I don't know what I'm doing. There was also this part of me that was like, this feels very profound, very powerful. It feels like I don't want to jump into it too fast. And like, there might be some things I need to know before I get too in the deep end of trying to heal and work with other people because it felt very similar to when, you know, from going from being just like, I do the school play to coming to New York and taking like Meisner technique and like sobbing for 20 minutes in a crazy scene the way you do when you study acting. It was like, you know, it was like a psychedelic experience. Like I met myself, I met God, I met everything within myself in this way that I actually didn't even expect. Like I just wanted to like, be on a sitcom or something, you know, like that's very like more simplified. I was actually, yeah. I, I was very guarded, you know, and then as I was acting, things came up the way it does in healing, right? So when I, when I went into my Reiki training, I sort of had this like grown up post Saturn return part two version of being <laughs> like, oh, all the, all that depth of emotion and like psychic potential you have inside your body that made you feel nuts. Well, <laughs> still here and now it's one of their hands and I'm yeah like, yeah <laughs> I had that at about I guess 37 my second kind of Saturn return was like you know all this that you've you know like been doing well you're gonna have a big old pivot into this other direction that you're gonna do it in you know yeah that's really interesting because I think something I've always felt really aware of since I've met you was that I think I've given you my two cents of I'm like, I think you're like too hard on yourself and you're like, no, I, I'm tired. Therefore, I won't take clients, you know, like you. But you're so about 
you know, being honest and being ethical. And I think it really being aware of the exchange that if you can't show up and play your part, then you're not going to, you know, which I think is really, really difficult in healing work because I mean, are there days I wake up and I don't want to read tarot? Absolutely. You know, are there days I don't want to open up the Akashic Records? Like, absolutely. But it's a job. It's a job like any other one, you know, and it can be tricky to figure out when am I just being maybe a little bit of like moody melly and other times when it's like, no, really, you should probably move those sessions, you know, like you can't show up fully present and ready to go or whatever. Or I can't, I mean, really it comes down to for me of can I hold space for someone else? Can I put myself to the side and show up fully and completely for someone else? And unfortunately, sometimes in your life, you can't like, it's just, you know, things are going on or whatever. It's just, it, it's difficult to do. But I think that I've always connected with you about like how vigilant you are about your honesty around that of where you at with what you're capable of giving. Um, and you staying connected to allowing that to change of like, I'm less available for this. I'm more available for that, you know, and that sort of thing, which I think is also really important, but I think is difficult when you see clients. I don't like, I, do you, I have a big thing of, I hate to disappoint people. And not to say that it feels like to me, you don't care if you disappoint people because <laughs> I don't think things are black and white, but you seem to have made a little bit more peace with it in the sense of like, if you have decided for you as a practitioner, it is not the time for you to be like doing that. You're just like, that's what it is, you know? Do you deal a lot with that? Like, do you deal with people being like, oh, I really wanted to get an astrology reading. You're like, sorry, I'm focusing on this right now. Or do you just really give yourself permission to trust it and just kind of be like, I have to remind myself all the time that like I'm CEO of Anatonk Incorporated. Like I have to make these decisions. I cannot let it be guided by any outside source. Yeah, I mean... In terms of disappointing people, I think that that is something that I have struggled with in my personal life and have mm. worked towards no longer struggling. Sorry to anyone <laughs> who's listening. Uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, I am, I think you also probably know me to maybe be someone who like could potentially say yes too much. You know, it's definitely like a production thing mm. to do or like, it's just, I went through a long period of time of almost like, saying yes and then canceling or like saying yes and then not canceling uh. and feeling bad about the way I showed up. And even if it's all in my mind, I think that like, I think I do worry about letting people down in a way that's more convoluted. So I would rather just not and save us both that struggle. Yeah. Like I almost, I think that I have a lot What's of mutable fair? energy in my chart, which kind of means like, I never know where I'm going to be at. And mm. so I have to be really mindful about my time blocks. There was a period of time during the pandemic when I like wasn't really working a ton and casting, you know, here and there one-off jobs, but it was like really dead and honestly a little scary. And so I opened my books up just like indefinitely in perpetuity. It was like, you could book me during the day, you could book me at night. It could be any day. It could be <laughs> less than 24 hours. And I lost it because. Yeah. What was that like? It was very difficult for me. It was also difficult because, for instance, 
I can't read people in the evenings. I occasionally do events, but my event, you know, my approach to events is a little different. I'm obviously not doing mm-hmm. full readings and I kind of try to keep them light and whatever. But I I have a very like sensitive endocrine system. And I'm a morning person who does like their best work either in the morning or in the middle of the day. And even when I'm like writing my newsletter in my writing groove, like all of that is happening in the morning. And I'm like, mm. I'm dead to the world by 4 p.m. Truly. So, and I, and it's like a physical thing, you know, it has to do with like various like chronic health stuff that I had come and go throughout my life. And it's just been something where I have found that the more that I implement boundaries, the better work I'm doing. And I'm not, you know, the way the universe works and all, like I'm not pulling people in who I'm needing to say no to very often. Yeah, that's been a big lesson for me. The less I look out for, I think because I grew up, I don't know, people just always really felt like they could freely share their criticisms with me, (laughs) you know, or give me their feedback about how I'm living or being, that I'm always sort of bracing myself for that. And it's been a real lesson for me with client work to be like, just do what you want. Like quit bracing. Like people are always going to have something to say or an opinion. Like trust, you know, when your energy's best, you know, like I quit doing, I used to like my last session used to be, I think 9 PM. And now I think about that and I'm like, who the fuck wants to be reading at 10 PM? What was I doing? You know, but it was, um, also some scarcity mindset and stuff and and things like that. And, you know, it was a really good lesson for me to learn that like trying to like be everything to everyone and be open and I've got morning and I've got night and all of that. It's not great. It doesn't work, you know, and it, and it, it'll attract people that are then like, why don't you do 3 a.m. sessions? It, like it, it never, the limit does not exist. If, if you open it up to say like customize however you wish, people will, you know? And the more, the more I would keep coming back to myself and be like, what do you really want? What really feels good? What really feels bad? And it doesn't matter for what reason. And I would just listen to it like, things got better, you know, and like clients get better or I don't want to say better, but it's like a better fit. You know, when I say better, it's not like they're better people, but more just like it felt more in alignment of like, oh yeah, there's some, there's more connection between our energy or something like that. So you've now also gone back to school as if (laughs) all this growing and pivoting. I mean, I, you know, what's funny is it's not that I I know that you do Reiki, but I had forgotten that when we met, you weren't even doing astrology yet, that that's been, that it was Reiki that you were doing. Like, I feel like for all my various friends and people who are like doing things and try to make, to make it in whatever ways, like you're one of the chillest who's just consistently like, you know what? Like I'm not out talking about what I'm doing or on the gram. Like I'm in school of some kind or I'm, I'm reading or, you know, like if you're texting with Vanessa, she's probably in the bath as well. If it's, if it is after four, (laughs) you know, and, and it's like, 
I mean, I forget like what you were like, oh, have you seen this? And I was like, no, what is that? And you were like, oh, yeah, I was just watching this yesterday afternoon. It was like this intense documentary and stuff, you know, and you were just like, oh, yeah, trying to keep my mind like nimble. And I was like, okay. I'm like, I'm pretty invested in my own mind's growth. And yet this uh, chick is like really blowing me out of the water here. This is impressive. How has it been going back to school and doing so as a grown up? Like you, I mean, it's cute. We all think we're grown up at 18, but like you are a grown ass woman. How's it been? It has been really cool. And also (laughs) honestly, really like triggering at times, but not, but really, yeah, but really like based in my personal stories that Mm. in this way where, um, I'm really into it. Like it's triggering in the way that I'm like noticing how and why and what the purpose of it is and what needs to come out of it. Uh, so I'm kind of like, oh, wow, I'm feeling stuff come up. And then yeah. I'm like, let me go home and process it. That's going to be great. And it, and then it makes my, yeah. somehow it seems to be like sort of alchemically combining with the actual schoolwork and my life in this way that it's just, I can kind of tell by the way I'm approaching my sessions even that my my mind is sort of having a new shift and clicking in together. But I mean, I love it that I'm back in school and the program that I'm in was a program that I had intended on actually trying to go to right when I graduated my conservatory, but because I was already repped by the agent and I was already working casting, everybody was like, you don't need more school. Like, what are you doing? And I kind of, you know, I took that advice (laughs) and felt, I was like, I get it, but also I feel like school's where I'm supposed to be. It was strange because I remember even then kind of noticing that like the language being used sounded like it was meant to encourage me, but it all sounded like there was a building on fire. Like everyone's like, no, no, school, everything's so amazing for you. Go get that amazingness. And I was like, uh, I don't, this doesn't sound amazing. It sounds like you're terrified for me. (laughs) If it's so amazing, why am I uncomfortable right now? Yeah. Do you feel a sense of like getting to go back now? Like, are you thinking a lot about baby you? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Those are like the big those are the big triggers that are coming through is like, and they're like multifaceted and constant, right? Because I'm also Mm -hmm. thinking about obviously that time in my twenties, but then I'm also thinking about my proper childhood and all of the programming I got around just my value in general, or even my mind or my ideas. And then I am, I'm in a writing program, but my like sort of may declare minor or just focus is in psychology. So I'm taking like attachment theory and health psychology and all these things where I'm thinking a lot about like why our minds do what they do in a really mm. clinical way while also doing my my focus in my writing will ultimately be healing. So the so I'm trying to put all of these pieces together and it's made it so yeah, I'm just constantly looking back and and being like, wow, like there's a new just like we talk about in more like our our like new agey healing circles about that onion layer that keeps getting pulled back. It's like, well, yeah. now I'm I'm getting a degree in onion layers. Like it's just <laughs> I yeah. And so those are the big triggers is just being like, I can't believe I, you know, fundamentally thought I was so worthless when I was young. And now I'm here like having these incredible conversations and writing and I'll just feel 
while I'm triggered and vulnerable and broken open, I also feel so confident and so like I belong to myself Mm. when studying and learning. And it's just kind of interesting to be like, huh, if I landed here where I have, you know, all these skills and my days are spent like having a conversation on a podcast with my amazing intelligent friends and like, (laughs) this is the life I created for myself. But then I think back into my, my teens or even younger and just (laughs) how neglected I was both like just academically and as women are, you know, like growing up and, you know, like women of our generation and just, there just were not, there were maybe expectations of us, but there weren't a lot of clear steps laid out other than like, you will go to college and you will get the job and, and you're lucky that you have that level of independence. Yeah. I'm realizing now, like I thought that I had a progressive experience, but I actually had a very limiting experience based on a a variety of things. And now I'm in school, just like, I really believe in divine timing. Like it's literally my job to to (laughs) look at that and, and to help people click into theirs. And I did choose to go back to school at this exact time because of some astrological transits that were coming up for me that I knew were coming. So I know this is all divine, but it is funny to think like, wow, I really had to go through like the darkest night of many souls to get to this place that I kind of always knew I was going to be at. I always knew yeah. I was be talking and reading and all the things. Yeah, I can really, really identify with that because I'm like, I feel really good about a lot of the different creative work I'm doing right now. But I'm like, why the fuck is it happening now? Like, why now? I've like, I've, I feel like I've been the same person forever in a lot of ways. And I know that that's not true, you know, but I agree. I and I did grow up in a I grew up in a pretty progressive way. Um, and pretty liberal, but still, yeah, pretty limited in regards to a lot of patriarchal stuff, still very much embedded, you know, like when I decided to go to Parsons, like in some ways the attitude was like, oh, it'll be good for her to like know a skill, you know, it wasn't like regarding me as an artist, you know, it was like as if I was going to trade school or something like that, which there's nothing wrong with that. But the idea wasn't that I guess the vibe wasn't so much that my brain was worth investing in. It was like, oh, she needs something to do to bide her time before a husband takes her on. You know, there was that vibe there, you know, like whether or not it was like sort of explicitly said or, or presented that way. And it wasn't until honestly, like, I don't know, 10 years ago that I was like, Oh, I thought feminism had gotten further. <laughs> like yeah, right. I, I thought, you know, my mom's gen or like I guess our, you know, like mom's generation. Like I did it's like not a this isn't a judgment or a criticism. It's more just like a lack of awareness. Like I didn't really see that women are still struggling to claim the space to do their work, to tell their stories and to feel like they're allowed to do that. You know, like it still is a really common topic. (laughs) And if you're anywhere where people, you know, are, are doing creative work, I think that like, it's still coming up. It's still women saying like, I'm scared. I'm not interesting or I don't have anything to say or whatever, because it's like, it's still, still kind of radical. I think like, um, for women to trust they're enough, like, 
it still seems like a a thing. How has going back to school changed your self-care, changed your client sessions, things like that? Because now you've added this other piece into your your puzzle. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is no matter what you study, really, or at least aside from something like math, maybe, or whatever, like you're going to do a lot of writing in school, right? Mm. And Obviously, like I said, like I'm studying writing or I'm in a writing program and I'm realizing like how much self-censoring I do. Like I Mm. think I'm an open book and actually one of my insecurities in working and healing previously was always like, am I like too wacky to do that? Like does someone's going to come to me for Reiki and I'm like the vibe I am like is this the you know because you are I do think that people look for a particular experience and I'm also not unhinged in my Reiki sessions at all I'm not not like cracking jokes per se but I always had a little insecurity that just like I'm you know like I'm a Virgo New Yorker from the tri-state area like there's not as much magic to my my person at least I feel that way but that's you know that is an aside that's a tangent i think that you're a little bit of a magic tease in that you're not like you're not like me who's like hello and like comes in you you're like I'm gonna keep it a little close to my chest until I know you know and then I'll show you that I'm a little wacky too you know I just think that you 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 flirt with it a little bit but I do I'm glad that you mentioned this because Instagram was a really powerful tool for me in kind of figuring out what was like my healer persona because I didn't feel I didn't feel like I fit in. I was like, I'm not a tall willowy blonde who wears a lot of linen. I don't speak like in spa speak. I just was kind of like, am I this? I don't I don't I don't know that I agree. Like I was I was caught in the self-censoring and stuff and then was like and then a friend gave me some business advice and was like you need to be so radically yourself that it's so clear for the people who you're for so they can find you and that really helped me feel brave you know and helped me quit always trying to package myself a certain way or whatever to be like I'm a healer, I'm this or I'm that, but it's like a for real thing. It's like any job requires a certain level of awareness of how you're received. You yes, know? So yes. like if you if you're a judge, <laughs> you're not gonna show up yeah, you know, with like uh, not skateboarding in. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, yeah. Yeah, you're there's just like a way, you know, and then and, and or even like if you wait tables, you're gonna make sure that like your nails are done because you're like giving people food. Not, and I don't mean like yeah. nails, nails did done, but just like make yes. sure I Not just kept in mud myself when I was waiting tables once and I had chipped black nail polish on and my, my manager was like, made a pointed it out. And I remember being really young and being like, Oh yeah. Like there's nothing wrong with my chipped black nail polish in the world writ large. But you know, yeah. Me like dropping a plate with these like, you know, dirty looking hands might not work for them. And so there's this, like, I think that in healing, because the point of these modalities is to bring forth the true self, we get really into this vibe also of like, 
And truly, in an ideal world, we should all be able to show up like completely as we are in every moment and connect and that's it. And like, that's it. But that's not, that's also not the world. So I think we all like I have, there's programming there about that. There's all these things that factor into like being aware of how we we are received. And I think there's just like a dance between seeing like, where are you censoring yourself? Where are you sabotaging yourself or being hard on yourself? And then also like, what is your responsibility in this moment? And Mm. I think for me, like writing helps me, like writing with the awareness that I could be self-censoring has kind of helped me also start to think about being honest, but also in in integrity or being honest and like meeting the moment that my skill is needed and, and to just kind of like be aware of all the, all the moving pieces of that. And, you know, yes, like I I might show up a little differently if I'm teaching a Reiki class than I would if I'm doing like my astrology dice at a bar, you know, there is, (laughs) and that's, I think that like that's sometimes what was harder for me when I was younger and I wasn't really thinking so much about how I like judge myself and, and intercept my like subconscious to conscious mind journey before then taking a step forward. Like I think I've been humbled even recently in school to see again, like there's a new onion layer of me, like knowing that my, my writing is going to be read by people who also take writing seriously. Like this isn't just my subscribers on my sub stack, even yeah. though, you know, that is that also is readership. It's like different to be like, oh, my professor is going to read this. I'm in a workshop where there's, you know, I'm going to get, uh, you know, we're going to have like a critique period. And it has shown me that when I, when I'm aware of that, I start out really to the left of what I want to say. And then it's only when I show up honestly and take kind of take a risk that I get that desired outcome of people saying like, wow, that was really interesting. You know, it's so, so true. Now, something I have found that crops up occasionally in healing work and these things is if you do anything else to make money or pursue anything else, then you're not really a healer. Like that oh, there's no. this weird stuff about healership and, and money and how people sustain themselves or support themselves and stuff like that. And I think you and I have always talked about how like we're all the things, which is what's kind of like for for us and to, and to make our lives doable, like we like doing all this stuff that, you know, like you're not going back to school because you, you don't think you're like worthy enough as a Reiki healer. It's like you're going back to school because it's like where you feel called. It's like the work you feel like you're supposed to be doing. It all plays a part in it. And that's when you are the, the happiest and most kind of like fulfilled spirit, you know. But do you think that that's a thing? I have feel I feel like people can just be sort of weird about that stuff my healing practice is bigger now. That's one thing that school has kind of also played into. It's like, I'm casting film, I'm casting something right now. But then, you know, I I somehow have a little more time and I'm enjoying doing more sessions. So I am like needing to show up a little bit more. And it's just funny because it's been now years of me being in this world thinking it's so kind of bizarre, like not knowing how (laughs) to really do it. And then I'm like, no, but I do need to kind of engage. And, but 
in terms of the judgment, like that's one of the things that I certainly observed over the years because, especially because of Instagram outside of it too. But I think that that's a, you know, the gram is a big part of it. And if people, this really like, if people are saying something about your practice, like just let them talk. One thing I will say, like Mm. my mind has developed because of working in the entertainment industry, which is ultimately a business of everyone, like assessing risk and threat and competition at all times. And even though like I did say earlier in the podcast, I wasn't per se susceptible to it, but that doesn't mean that my mind didn't shape to like know what's going on and know how to also just know how to observe like, oh, this is going to be a big deal. This, this project's going to blow up. Like I just know kind of like how things are going to go. And Mm -hmm. so Whenever someone is feeling insecure about their practice because of like something they're seeing or something someone said, I'm basically like, I guarantee you at some point that person is likely not going to do all that they could or like, I don't, I I never want to speak ill, but it's like, if someone is talking, talking, they are, they're not working and they're also not in line they're not in line with the work. Like if you're meditating and it doesn't have to be every day and like, you know, I don't want to like position myself at all as some sort of like monastic, but like I'm, I am really committed to trying to either and meditate Reiki every day, look at the cosmos, look at the transits. I commit to my practice in whatever way I can. And I think that that's what makes me just like not care. Like the chips are going to fall where they're meant to fall. And like, if you love healing and you're committed to your practice and you're going to do it the way you want to do it, it's going to happen for you if you are truly in integrity. When people start talking yeah. about like who who has value or, her, or who doesn't based on things that are like ultimately just perception, like that's that's a them problem, not a you problem. And I get the appeal of going down that road sometimes because you're just trying to say like, like why them? But it's a dead end. If you, you know, like when you, I get the appeal. I get why people want to do it sometimes or go like, I don't get it, you know, or whatever, but I don't think it does anything. It doesn't do anything good. And I think you're really, really, I think you're really good at the way that you continually, like you live a bit meditatively of pulling your eyes back to your own paper. I think you're good about kind of letting the, you know, you go and you look around and you kind of go like, Oh, that's what's up. And then you focus back on your own. And I think you're, you're really good at doing that and just being like, yeah, tons of things exist. Okay. There's tons of people on Facebook doing a thing, not for me. And you just like put your eyes back on your own paper and, I think that probably gives you this energy you have to like do a lot of different things and jump between a different mind spaces. Cause I do think that's a skill and it's one you, we generally have to like cultivate before we wrap up. Is there anything you want to chat about that we didn't touch on? I feel like, you know, we, you and I text a lot and are like, we should talk about this. We should talk about that, you know, or this, you know, that I feel like I'm like, am I forgetting anything or is there anything you feel strongly about that, you know? You know, this was so great. I, the only thing is like, yeah, I just would want to reiterate to anyone listening who, even if they're not healing, but just is feeling like they don't know, they either don't know what their thing is or they want to pivot or they feel Mm. like they put a lot of energy into something and then it didn't work out the way they wanted to. And 
don't know next steps, whatever it is. I think for me, like the idea that someone would judge their own interests or passions or what brings them joy based against what is going on like externally just always breaks my heart. So mm-hmm. I just kind of want to like hold a vision, hold a candle to people <laughs> who are just like wanting to engage with life and somehow figure out how to make a living and express all the parts of them that want to be expressed because like this sounds literally so cheesy. I can't believe it's even coming through, but I feel like it came through in a channeled way, but it's saying like there, (laughs) there really is only one you. There really is. And that's all of these things that we do. Tarot, astrology, my job in casting is to kind of figure out who that one person is and how to put them in this role. Like it's all kind of the same thing of like, ultimately we would live in a world where everyone could really just be them. And I, I want that for you all. Truly. Yeah. You know what? I think that's a really beautiful point. And it's true, you know, that that's really the only thing. Um, I remember when I was leaving television and going into tarot and I was feeling like a loser because I was leaving a pretty successful career to be at the very bottom of a new industry. And I was lamenting to my mom that I was just like, what have I done? I had all this success that I worked really hard for and I feel like I just set it on fire. And she said, you have no idea how young you are. It's like that tricky um, balance of trusting and believing in yourself and being your own best like investor and giving yourself the permission to like change at any point in your life to be more connected to who you are inside, what you were here to do. Like Vanessa said, there's only one you. So yeah, man, changing your life after the age of like 25. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's rough. It comes with its own set of things. But hopefully you've listened to this today and feel a little bit more capable, a little more like you'll make it through. You're not alone. At the at the very least, you're not alone. You know, maybe you're in a small club of people who are like, oh, yeah, I remember that. But you're not alone. We will say that. Yeah. All right. Bye. Thank you. Oh, I'm so appreciative to Vanessa for joining me. It was super fun to commiserate and shoot the shit with someone else who's, you know, made the leap from production to, you know, kind of this healing work and spirituality. It makes me feel a little less. I don't know, like I have uh, dual citizenship or something. Uh, it makes me seem like there, you know, a lot of us contain multitudes and those multitudes are going to show up in our career, our relationships all over the place. And so I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you will seek out Vanessa's work. I had a session with her and loved it. She works in, in a very different way from myself and other people that I think is so cool where she blends astrology and the Akashic records when she, when you're having a session with her, it was really illuminating for me. And I just think it's really cool that she's like, even the way she's doing work that like I myself do as well, she's really doing it in her own way and a very creative way. So 
I hope you enjoyed this episode and getting insight into her career process. And I hope you get to enjoy the magic of her healing work as well. Until next week. um, That's it. Bye. That's all for today. If you're interested in submitting a topic, please go to anatonk.com and hit the contact button. Or you can email me at anatonk at gmail.com. If you're a fan of the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. It really does help. 